Hi, and welcome to the Arana Hills Church of Christ podcast. We hope this message brings you closer to knowing God, finding freedom in Him, and understanding what He has in store for you and your community. To learn more about Arana Hills Church of Christ, head to aranahills.church. We hope you enjoy this message. Surprise. Uh, an unexpected or astonishing event or happening. And this morning I told the congregation I was going to surprise them by preaching from back here. Um, but uh, people's necks were getting strained because you can't preach from behind people. So I, I'm changing it. Actually, I will bring the, uh, the lectern down off. But yeah, unexpected events. So we're surprised by hope for Christmas. Uh, and I'm going to unpack those words. And also, that's very lectern. I'm also going to unpack... Uh, um, a little bit of scripture tonight for us, but uh, let's have that again. Surprise, an unexpected or astonishing event or happening. Surprise! Oh, thank you, Rachel. Oh, she got covered with the confetti. All right, so a surprise, unexpected event. Well done. Thank you, Rachel. There, she's using up all the stuff from her wedding from a few years ago, so she might ask if she could throw some confetti. So well done, Charlie. You're, you're in. Um, but the Christmas story is actually full of surprises, but it's also full of hope. But before we get into uh, to actually uh, the story itself, I just want to just test your knowledge about uh, what you know about Christmas. So put that up for us, Tony. I've got uh, five questions, not difficult questions. Um, I'd like to see if anybody can answer these. What animal did Mary ride from Nazareth? To, if you were here this morning, you can't answer that. From Nazareth to Bethlehem. I hear a donkey. Anybody? It was a donkey. It might be a camel. Anybody else said a camel? Donkey? Well, I'm sorry, we don't know. Uh, if you look in the Bible, it doesn't actually say what she rode. Uh, and actually, they weren't very well off if he was a carpenter or a, a worker, so they might have walked. But she was pregnant. Now, how pregnant was she? We don't know how pregnant she was either uh, when she got there. But uh, okay, where was Jesus born? We know it was in Bethlehem, but can you give me any more details? What does the Bible say about where Jesus was born? Um, an inn? In that, well, that's what people think. But does the Bible say that? There was animals around, that's right, yes, there was animals nearby. They laid him in a manger, but actually we don't really know. All it says in the Bible, he, uh, he was born, uh, when he was born there was no room for them. And it doesn't actually say in, someone a few hundred years ago thought that's what it was, but the word actually is guest house. And uh, if you think about it, because they'd gone to Bethlehem because Joseph, her husband, was a, uh, uh, from there, he probably had some relatives and they are probably staying there, but there was no room in the guest house. They probably didn't have a spare room. So that's how they ended up. And some people think it was actually uh, like a cave out the back uh, where the animals used to live or maybe even a grotto in the basement of the house because they brought the animals in. And that's why there was a manger there. So that was the place to put the baby because there was nowhere else. So there you go. What about the next one? What did the angels sing to the shepherds? We're going to read that story in a second. Any ideas? Um, what did they sing? It starts with good. No, not silent night. Glory. Oh, I hear a glory. As that was sort of glory. It says glory to God in the highest, peace on earth to all men on whom his favour rests. Does that sound familiar? Well, that's wrong. Oh, I'm sorry, because uh, they didn't sing anything. Okay, if you look in the Bible, it actually says the angels appeared to the shepherds, but they said it. And actually, nowhere in the Bible, I wouldn't look this up because I didn't believe it when I read it. Even in Revelation, I thought there was lots of worshipping and singing happening there, but angels never sing. The worshippers do, and they do worship God, but they always say, angels said this. So there you go. We've learned that. So they didn't sing there. That's ruined half of our hymns and carols at Christmas time because, hark the herald angels sing. Poor old Charles Wesley got that one wrong. 
But okay, four, we'll get this one right. How many wise men or magi, they were the men from the east, how many visited uh, uh, Jesus? Oh, you, three. three, I hear the three. <laughs> oh, there's always one. Gold, Frank, that's right. There was, there was three gifts, but actually we have, <laughs> that were their names. We have absolutely no idea. Now, it doesn't say how many came. There could have been a whole tribe of them. Uh, but they bought three gifts that we know of. So uh, that's another thing. So all the Christmas cars with three of them winding in, there could have been a cast of thousands. Okay, and lastly, where did the wise men visit Jesus? Now, they, it says uh, Bethlehem because uh, we know that from Scripture, but where did they go to visit him? You're getting all the answers. Good on you, Luke, but you're wrong again uh, because uh, actually it says in the Bible they, they did visit him, but it was in a house. Uh, and it doesn't say a baby. It says an infant. So he could have been anywhere up to two years old. So he might have stayed there a bit to get a bit. You know, they didn't jump straight on the camel or the, the donkey or walk all the way back to, to uh, Nazareth. So uh, the chances are that he was a little bit older. So all of our scenes of the uh, nativity where you've got everybody crowded into a little barn, probably not right. Looks good on the Christmas carols. But I want to actually, I want to actually we're going to read some of the stories because remember our theme is surprised by hope. But I want to see what the Bible actually says. So to set that up, I've got a little nativity here. One I prepared earlier. Now, this is one that my mother-in-law knitted. Actually, I think the Greaves have got one now. Have you seen one at your house? Your mother got one of these. Oh, sorry, we better start with the baby Jesus, and there was a Joseph. Oh, good on you, Dave. Surprise, okay. Any more surprises? Anybody else? Oh, yeah, thank you very much. Okay, we're all surprised. Yep. Oh, thank you, Dave. Okay, we, we had enough surprise. All right, watch me heart. Um, there was some shepherds. Okay, there. Now, remember, we know this didn't actually happen, but... Uh, there is some wise men. Oh, hang on, that one's travelled a long way. Oh, he's got a bit of a lean. We might just have to get him to lean, I think. Interesting, I said to the church this morning, Rhonda, my mother-in-law, um, has knitted quite a few of these over the years, and she sells them. And since they've been up in Brisbane, we'll put him behind, he can lean on him. Put him, he can lean on Jesus. No, he's leaning on Joseph. And there's actually a few sheep to go around. Let me go some. Actually, we nearly lost a couple of them this morning because uh, Harvey, little Harvey, was, I think he was trying to eat one of them, but uh, <laughs> Harvey Richards were looking very excited with the sheep. But, uh, so it didn't actually happen like that. But just when we come, I just want to remember those are some of the characters that we know actually appeared in the, uh, the story. But uh, just to give you a bit of background to the stories we know. There's a lot of narratives that are familiar to us and we're going to pick a couple of those in a second to look at and to read together. But when this story took place, um, the people were actually, were, were actually living not with a lot of hope, they were living with a lot of hopelessness because they'd been waiting for over 400 years for something to happen. The Jewish people had been ruled over and ruled over and all their hopes had actually been dashed by different empires, and at the time that this story takes place, they were under another occupation of a whole lot of Romans, and the Romans, and, and they're in an outpost of the colonies. So, in fact, the life that the, uh, the Jewish people were living in was not one of hope, it was actually one of hopelessness. 
So when this story comes, you think, this is great. This is going to break, break through. We're going to deal with the problems. The Romans out. God's coming back. We're going to be in charge. And actually, the way that the story turned out was not what they were expecting. And although there's hope, and we're about to see the hope, and we're going to unpack that tonight, it actually wasn't what they were hoping for or the way they were hoping but God actually uh, had some different ideas. So they're the stories. If you have a look at hope, thanks, Tony. Hope is an expectation or a desire for a particular thing. And what the people were hoping for back then actually uh, was a bit different to what God actually delivered. But there's a deeper truth in the story, and I think that's where it touches and hits the ground for us tonight. So with those narratives, I've got up on that screen the next one. There's actually about five or six different stories where all of these characters come in. None of them overlap. You don't hear the same story repeated in Matthew or in Luke. Um, they four or five different stories. Um, but I'm just going to pick three of them today. The story about Joseph, the story about Mary, Jesus' mother, and then a bit on the birth narrative, and we will get some shepherds and sheep coming in as well later. So let's have a look at what the Bible has to say. Firstly, about Mary. So this is from Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read it to you. And what I found as I prepared for this message, I picked out three phrases, one from each of these narratives, um, that actually are statements of hope, statements that God actually was still doing something, even if it was different to what they were expecting and it didn't seem to address their hopelessness and what they thought should be happening. Basically, God had an answer and it was in a baby, unexpected. They were looking for a king to come in or a conqueror. Okay, so let's see what happened to Mary. Other thing I was just going to say before we start, in all of these narratives, the words are spoken by angels. So that's a surprise to start with. Uh, uh, all of these narratives, actually, angels were popping up everywhere. Um, Kath and I were talking about angels before, actually. Can I say that story? Um, has anybody ever seen an angel? I'd be interested. Anybody? It's, you might have seen one and not known about it, uh, and I think we did and didn't know about it too, because the Bible says... Be careful who you entertain. Some people have entertained angels without even knowing it. Now, we didn't entertain this person. Uh, she actually assisted us. But um, it comes, he's not here tonight. Jacob was here this morning. But it was around the time, well, it was not around the time, it was at the time of Jacob's birth. Now, he comes number three in the queue. So we've got Samuel's number two. There's a bigger brother. And then Sarah wasn't around at that stage. Sorry, Sarah. But Jacob... Um, gave us a few challenges in his birth because he was breech. And those who don't want to go into too much of the d d details there, but breech means instead of coming head first, they're coming bottom first. And we sort of knew that because the scans had told us that, but uh, Kath had had a few sort of procedures and they were actually saying, look, if he doesn't turn around, you're at full term, we're going to have to do a caesarean. And she had two excitable boys at home and we didn't really want to have a caesarean uh, but that was what the doctors were proposing. And then it was on a Saturday night, I can tell you exactly, the 4th going into the 5th of May, um, 25 years ago, she went into labour. So I go rushing down to the hospital and um, it was all a bit exciting at 1 o'clock in the morning. And uh, to set the scene for this, Catherine was born in um, Papua New Guinea. So her heritage is Papua New Guinea. Her mum and dad were here this morning. And so she has a real connection with Papua New Guineans. And um, uh, we get into the hospital and they put the scan on and say, I'm sorry, Mrs Moore, the baby's still breech. Um, we're going to have to you know, get, a, get a, a, a team in and you'll have to have a caesarean because it's too dangerous to deliver a baby backwards. Then out of the blue, this lady turns up with black curly hair 
Edinburgh, and she was a Papua New Guinean doctor. Well, that's what she told us. She's a Papua New Guinean doctor. And she says, to, she says to Catherine, I have delivered many of these babies in Papua New Guinea. And we never really asked what she was doing at the Flinders Medical Center, but she said, this is not a problem. You've had two other boys, this will be fine. And uh, Catherine was a bit spaced out because I was giving her gas to sort of help with the pain. Uh, the, the doctors let me give gas at that stage. And uh, she said, um, because they were still, she was only just a visiting doctor, we were told, so they were still trying to get Kath to have a caesarean, and then um, all of a sudden <laughs> she examines Kath, and what, what would she say? You can remember that. Bottom presenting. <laughs> so we knew he was a boy immediately. Uh, but uh, um, So he came out backwards, and the, the, the doctor, this lady, took over. Now, it's interesting, Papua New Guineans, and this is not a racist term, um, but in the Second World War, because the New Guineans helped the Australian soldiers, they were called Fuzzy Wuzzy Angels um, because of their curly hair, and they carried the packs for the Australian soldiers through the jungles on the Kokoda Trail and other parts of New Guinea. And this lady turned up. She delivered Jacob successfully with very minimal trauma. Uh, and it was funny because when the they realised they weren't going to have time for a caesarean, the room filled up because no one ever sees, they don't allow you to deliver breach in Australian hospitals because there's a risk of complications. And uh, so Jacob appears like a little chicken with his feet behind his ears and this lady talks us through it, delivers the baby and then disappears. We never saw her again. And I went looking for her because, you know, there's all excitement and there's the baby and the nurses have taken over and Jacob. And, and then we looked around and for the rest of the night, because this was about three o'clock in the morning, and then the next day, because Kath stayed in overnight, um, we went looking for that lady and she was never there again. Now, was she just a Papua New Guinean uh, doctor, just happened to be there at the right time, or was she an angel? I don't know, but God provided for us, in a miraculous way, uh, was it an angelic visitation or just uh, a gift for us, but it made a significant difference for Kath because of her heritage. And that came. So we've always wondered, was that an angel that we saw? It might have been. But definitely in Scripture, there's lots of angels appearing. So let's get back to Mary. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that's Mary's cousin who's going to have another baby, which that's miraculous, and there's angels in that story. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel said to her, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I said this morning, I'd be more troubled by the fact that there's an angel standing in front of me. But anyway, she was troubled by what the angel said. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Mary. You've found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? But the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your cousin, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is now in the sixth month. And here's the phrase, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. What does the angel say? Remember, there's a surprise. There's an angel there. She's a virgin, a young girl, and she's about to be pregnant. That's a surprise. 
But the hope that God gives her through the angel is that phrase, for no word from God will ever fail. Um, Interestingly, that phrase that that was in was referring to Elizabeth, her cousin, is going to have a baby, and Zachariah, her husband, said that can't happen, and he couldn't speak for nine months until it did happen. Uh, But uh, that was the... um, the context of it, but actually lots of other words about God from the Old Testament were actually fulfilled in the birth of Jesus, about, uh, about the nature of his birth, where he'd be born, um, the fact that there'd be persecution and he'd be sent to Egypt and people would uh, be killed around. That's more of the nativity story. But um, another translation of that phrase says, um, I wrote it down actually from the message, It says, not one promise from the Lord is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. In the midst of a situation that seems hopeless, there is hope, and this is uh, coming through. Hold that phrase. We're going to go to the next scripture. Joseph. Remember, this is her husband, betrothed, uh, not married. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. We just heard about that. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place, this is one of the words, to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive, giving birth to a son, and they will call him, here it is, Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. Advent actually, um, Advent is another word we use for Christmas, and it's a Latin word that just means coming. And there's an old uh, Hebrew word that says Maranatha. Have you heard Maranatha? And that also means come, come Lord Jesus. But we've sort of adopted Advent because we come from a bit of a Latin background. So Advent, it basically means coming or come. And I was saying this morning, AJ's not here tonight. Hopefully he's about to get on a plane to Perth because he got bumped forward with them closing the paper. That's another story. But AJ's been preaching for uh, the last month on place, being placed. And really interesting, with the coming of Jesus, God placed himself actually uh, in our situation. He placed himself within humanity. And that's quite remarkable. Another translation for that word, I think I put up here, you could say instead of just God with us, you could say God is one with us, or even more surprisingly, God is one of us. So what we're saying there is that God, the creator of everything, in that became human. 
Think about that for a minute. God is one of us. Doesn't really make sense. And uh, I played a hymn this morning, I won't play it tonight, but uh, they couldn't, um, people down through history have not been able to understand or express what does that actually mean, God with us. And the verse that I played this morning said um, from an old Wesley, Charles Wesley hymn, our God contracted to a span. So God's outside of time, outside of space. Our God contracted to a span incomprehensibly, we can't understand it, made man, became a baby. Wow. And that becomes one of the greatest sources of our hope in our hopelessness um, because we actually have God not outside looking in, hoping that we can help him you know, get your act together. He chose to enter into our darkness. He chose to join himself with a broken humanity and actually the healing. And if we come back next week, I'm going to preach on a different verse to follow on from this, and it's John chapter 1, which is also about the coming, but it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and it was light in darkness, but the darkness could not overcome it. That's where our hope comes from, not from uh, hoping that we can get out of here, but actually hoping in what's already happened, that God has actually embedded himself into a broken humanity so he can actually understand our brokenness and the healing starts from the inside out. God is one of us. What about the third promise of hope? And that was the shepherds. Angels are back in this again. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, here's the word, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. And then he goes on to say, Today in the town of David, Bethlehem, a saviour is born to you. He is Messiah the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with this angel, praising God and, not singing, and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them, gone back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem, see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph. So we'll take the wise men off. They found Mary and Joseph um, and the baby lying in the manger. Uh, and when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen, which were just as they'd been told. What I love about this part of the, of the narrative with the shepherds is that um, the angels didn't go to the religious people or the powerful people. Um, the angels went to uh, pretty humble, lowly <laughs> uh, workers. Uh, um, and that was where the news was told. This is actually, and what does he say? Don't be afraid. I bring you good news, 
causing great joy for all people. There's the promise of hope, no fear, don't be afraid. This is great joy. And one of the Bible um, translations says, for everyone, everywhere. Some people think this is good news just for a few and the lucky ones who are picked or the lucky ones who hear about it, but actually the Bible doesn't say that and the angels don't say that there. The good news, the hope that we get in Jesus is that it's for everyone and it is to bring great joy because um, he's entered in to our pain, he's entered into our situation, he's entered into our darkness. So put those three up there for us, Tony, and I'll say, so this is the promises I wanted us to ponder tonight. For no word from God will ever fail, or we could say that nothing is impossible to God. The second promise of hope is the word Emmanuel, God with us, God one with us, God one of us. Or finally, do not be afraid of bringing good news that will cause great joy for all people. Remember what I said at the beginning, hope is a feeling of expectation and a desire for a particular thing to happen. In some ways, the surprise of this story was it wasn't what they were expecting, but God actually doesn't always meet our expectations. And tonight, my call for you guys, my call for me, <laughs> I'm going to ask us to reflect on those three promises of hope. But in the midst of that, because uh, Kath and I were talking this afternoon, sometimes um, we have to face our hopelessness and the things in our life that are actually preventing us or blocking us. We can read that and say, oh, that couldn't be me. Uh, that couldn't be for me. No word of God. I've been let down. Don't you know what happened to me? Is God really with me? Is this good news? And surely it's not for all people. It's missed me somewhere. But the call, we are responsible to look into our hearts and see where am I stuck? Because these promises are true. And yes, it's unexpected and it might be a bit of a surprise. And actually next week when I share a bit more, I really want to unpack that because... This has been surprise for shepherds and surprise for Mary and Joseph, but uh, the biggest surprise is that God actually is in our darkness for us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. I'm going to ask us to reflect on that and just to ask the Lord to land on those promises for you, maybe one of them, maybe all three of them. Where are you sitting at the moment? Where is your hope or hopelessness? Where is your trust being um, betrayed? Where do you think God has let you down? Where have others let you down? Where do things don't seem to be working out? Can God blow on one of those promises for you to give you some hope? I'm going to ask the band to play for a bit. That'd be good to know. If you just want to pray, play for a bit and we'll sit. And just ask the Lord to blow on that. And then we're actually going to take communion as well uh, at, as we conclude. But, um, yeah, that would be my prayer for you, Father. I just ask that as we reflect on hope, yes, there's some surprises there, but there is actually um, 
there is a hope because of Jesus. There's a hope because of this story. There's a hope because of what you have done in Jesus. Emmanuel, God, one of us. Yeah, just speak to our heart. Bring us a a comfort where we need it. Bring us a hope where we need it. Bring us a peace where there might be uh, troubled waters. reflect on that you may want to share communion you don't have to take communion but in a way communion is uh, the ultimate expression of hope because in that Jesus dealt with the blockages the brokenness in the relationship between us and him and through his death as Sinead uh, read earlier He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. So Father, as we uh, sit with you, sit before you, uh, speak to our hearts. Move this from a head understanding to a heart experience. Yeah, blow. Share communion if you'd like to in your time. Thank you for joining us today. If you were encouraged by the message and would like to hear more sermons like this, make sure you hit subscribe. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. To experience other messages, videos and live services, head to oranahills.church and navigate to the resources tab. Thanks for listening.